1: talk show recorded it's live locked.
0: Hello everybody and welcome back to an exciting episode of AGP. As always, I am your host. I am Amanda Gillum, also known as Lady Vader seventy nine. And of course, AGP would not be here if it wasn't for the amazing sponsors that we have. So let's go ahead and let's give them a huge shout out. So a big shout out to Scott Comics and their all ages comic, our Super Mom, with yours truly, the ghost hunter character in the story. Of course, to Hasm Productions and their uh, all ages comic, Peanut It and Jelly, which is in production of its latest issue, I cannot wait, with new writers, new artists, and even a new letterer. Believe it or not, lettering is extremely important in comics. Don't ever tell me that it's not. It's amazing what a letterer can do to really put the emphasis behind the words of a character. Uh, We also want to give a shout out to <clears throat> Excuse me, UVN on the Underground Video Network bringing you the amazing coverages of everything in the tri state area of Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana for the last 15 years to the Gen City Comic Con coming to you March 24th and 25th at the Dayton Convention Center in Dayton, Ohio. The Champion City Comic Con coming to you on o- October 29th in Springfield, Ohio. And of course, to the Sean Forney Illustrations and their teenage comic, independent comic, Scarlet Huntress, and to the incredible Mr. Mark Kidwell, the comic creator of Images 68. We want to thank you all, guys. If it wasn't for you guys, AGP couldn't be here. Now, I'm bringing back somebody that the two of us together, just sit back and let the insanity ensue. This is my friend, Sean Harbin. You all remember him from when he was back here with me back in May, and you know how the two of us, we can rant all day, so just sit back, relax, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy in the insanity. Welcome back, Sean. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Well, that was an introduction. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing okay. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Like I like we were talking a little bit. I'm a little tired. There's I put one too many eggs on my plate, and they're just overflowing at this point. I wasn't supposed to. I, I counted them after they hatched, and I went up. That went from a couple of chicks to an entire flock. Crap.
1: Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll do that. They'll flock it up on you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, last time we talked, we were talking about your comic, and <laughs> how's everything going with that?
1: It's it's been very slow. The Kickstarter did not hit. I, I do not have any sort of explanation. Um, you know. Uh, okay. You want you want to start ranting? Let's let's start ranting. So we're gonna start ranting. Here it comes. Because because it's the pink elephant in the room. So and I'm not I'm not planning on saying anything mean. I'm just going to be honest with my own personal experiences. And I'm not. I
0: haven't seen a see pink elephant yet. Oh crap. <laughs>
1: Okay, so i i did I did this Kickstarter for my book, and right. uh, I had lots of people that had reached out. I was I was very surprised. I know this is horrible to say. I probably shouldn't say. This. I was very surprised at how quickly and how much uh, how much the larger price tiers went, because my whole design of the Kickstarter when I set it up and and my whole philosophy, and we were talking earlier about corporations and, and kind of, you know, screwing people and so forth, is that I really wanted to do a Kickstarter that, and I know this is a faux pas, I'm not supposed to say it, but I was running it like a business. And my whole idea was I'm going to give you a product that I think is really good, that I think that you will like, and I don't want to gouge you on it. So if you give me money... I want you to get a lot of stuff back. So, you know, I I had very, what I felt were very reasonably priced, uh, you know, tiers, reward tiers, and that when, you know, if if you donated something like 25, 30 bucks, you got a ton of stuff with that. But I I was surprised that at the higher price tiers, it was real interesting that, um People either got the $10 tier, which was just the book, or people got, like, the $50 tier that was, like, almost everything, and the tiers right. that were, like, 100 bucks, like, they went, like, as soon as I would put them up, so it surprised me in that, and I think what it fell to was uh, there are – the people that and and I understand why they do it. They don't do it to be malicious, but there's the people that wait to do the Kickstarter till the end, and that essentially hurts people doing Kickstarters because it, it has to run on a momentum. If it doesn't constantly have at least some one person donating to it every day, it doesn't have to be a huge amount. It, it slides down the page and gets harder to be found. Right. And two, when you're trying to hit the goal, and I don't know. If most people know this, but if it doesn't hit the goal, then you don't get anything. It's just all or nothing. So yeah, when when it when it kind of stalls somewhere, like if I had if I had the all the the backers that had backed by the end of the campaign had backed in the first week, I may have made it because it would have created enough momentum to where people were like, you know, this thing's probably going to make it. If if it doesn't halfway you know halfway by the halfway point statistically they tend to not make it which doesn't really make sense in some means because there's the campaigns where somebody will donate fifty thousand dollars in one day and then there's the campaigns that somebody donates ten dollars in one day and right and so theoretically if somebody could come in and donate twenty thousand dollars to a two hundred thousand dollar campaign in the first day, why can't somebody donate a couple thousand dollars or I, I shouldn't say one person, but several people donate two thousand dollars on the last day, you know, and, and push it over. Um, so I think that the the cold feet of people turned off people. There were people that that emailed me and said, well, you know, I donate but it doesn't look like it's gonna hit. And then there's there's the ones that I told I told my better half the night that it was closing, I said, You just wait. Right when this closes, somebody, somebody will ask me how to get this. And ten minutes after it closed, they go, Man, it's a shame it didn't hit. Is there any way I can get this? Yeah, you could have donate it, you know. See
0: and see I went ahead and I, as soon as we got done with the conversation, I went, I looked at my budget, I saw when it was going to end, I looked at my budget and went, this is how much I could donate, I know I can't donate. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah. It tells you when it's, for, I mean, when there are people like myself that are on a fixed income, so there is only so much if there is a Kickstarter. Don't wait till the last day to do the Kickstarter You know, when it's going to end, you should be able to look at your budget. And if you don't have a budget, there's a problem with you. Everybody should have a budget. So you should be able, you should know approximately how much you're making on each of your paychecks. You should be able to budget if it is something that you want to back. And be able to look at your budget and go, okay, well, I can't put in a full thing, but I can go ahead and give this much because I do want to see it back. I want to see it published, or I'm really interested in it. Um, I can't afford the 25 bucks or the 10 bucks to get the book. Me, I looked at my budget and went, I can afford the 50 and it's not going to harm me. I'll still be able to pay my bills, and that's what I did.
1: And I'll tell you this, and I can't speak for anybody else. I'm just speaking for me. I don't look at anybody that any worse because they donate $5 versus $50 or 75 whatever it is. Like if somebody donates anything to me, I'm like just as pleased. And if I don't know the person, if this is – and there were – I mean, there were a lot of people. I would say probably 75% of the backers were people I had no idea, mm-hmm. no idea where they came from or who they were. And, and, that's,
0: normally, and that's normally where a lot – you're going to see a, a lot of people – um, they'll either hear it on a podcast or they'll see it on somebody's post or their friend of a friend of a friend of a friend told them about it. And they may not be people that you know, but they ended up backing it because they're like, oh, well, somebody either told me about this or that it was popular enough on Kickstarter for those of us like me who actually follow Kickstarter, it came up in the feed of, hey, you need to check out these Kickstarters that are here now. Yes. And if, Kickstarter says so, it drives people over to them for them to check it out as well.
1: I tell you what. What was uh, really interesting. I mean, there were several things that I learned that I, that I walked away with, and one of the things was that I have a friend that she works for a publishing company. She works for a gigantic. It's not a comic book company, but it's a gigantic major uh, publishing corporation. They publish everything, and I was. She was asking me. She's like, "Well, why is this not going?" And so forth. And I was reading her the statistics that Kickstarter gives you, like it's, it's constantly, you know, analyzing and telling you where you're at and how you're doing. And for my video, it said that, like I can't remember the exact numbers, but it would be like the people, basically it come out to the people that finished the video, that, that watched the video all the way through. Like uh, 60% of those people donated. Mhm. And so she was telling me that like that's better than how their business. Works. She goes, "Your problem isn't that you have a bad product. Your problem is you've not expanded to enough eyeballs." She goes, "Because right. people that are that are sitting through the video, like you're having a fantastic return on that, you know." And so. And no, not, I mean, you have to be realistic. Not everybody that sees something is going to like it, you know, not ever. Or no. they, they they don't have the money or whatever. And believe me, I understand that, that that people don't have money. But then, you know, my rant kind of comes from I'm always seeing people and, you know, their their uh, their Kickstarter videos. And I'll go on and I'll look at it and they'll say, I can't believe I was funded in the first three days. And I'll look at them and I'm like, How the hell was this funded in three days? Like, sometimes, like, and and I I shouldn't say about it, because there are really great things on Kickstarter. There absolutely are. There's stuff that I see all kinds of cool things on there all the time. And if I had a million dollars, I'd have a million Kickstarter items floating around in my apartment. But, you know, it, it, it amazes me sometimes that there's not really a quality check on, what it is, or like, and and so a lot of the complaints uh, that I got from a couple of friends were, well, you asked too much money, you need to scale it down, and I would sit down and get a piece of paper. I said, well, the books cost this much to be printed and shipped to me, and they cost this much to mail them, and this is how much I ask. And they go, well, could you cut anything else up? No, that's pretty much it. No, that's it. That's pretty much it. I don't don't, don't
0: think people realize that, oh, well, yeah, you put up a Kickstarter. Yay, it's a comic. So, But why so much? Because, one, there's a fee to use Kickstarter. Two, there's a fee to ship everything out. Three, there's a fee of getting it made. Four, there's the fee of the promoting of it. Five, there's the fee of the fact that you probably won't get to sleep during your entire Kickstarter campaign because you're going to have to watch it constantly 24-7 for the entire seven days that it's up and running.
1: Yes. the pe- People also don't understand and I learned this uh, working eBay for years is uh, I'll go on there and I'll watch people do their, their comic book kickstarters and I'll go, there's no, this is going to be a failure. If this if this hits its goal, it's going to be a failure because they're not going to be able to fulfill these books. Like They'll have something crazy like My goal is $200, and I'm going to ship books. I'm thinking, well, I don't know how many books that you're going to, you know, get printed and shipped out. Have you not considered, like, how much a package is to put your item in to ship it? And that's the thing that people don't think. Like, oh, well, it'll cost me, like, a stamp, and I'll put it in an envelope, and I'll mail it out. It it doesn't quite work that way because uh, I had – I mean, I had this down – like, I had double researched it. I did not want to get stuck holding the ball and not being able to fill it. So it, it would cost, I think, I think just the shipping, not the packages, not the items, but just to drop it off at the post office and let them take it from there was going to be about 263 a package. Well, you look at these people on Kickstarter, and, and they're like, you can have a book for $2. How are you going to get a hard copy book for $2? You know, <laughs> because you can't ship it
0: no, for that. No, you can't even buy a hard copy book for $2 unless it's like worth nothing.
1: Yeah. So um, I found, I think one of the things that, that hurt me and, you know, it, it's kind of like Catch-22 is um, I had found an overseas printer that, was very quick to send me some samples. Uh, I had talked to people that had, the, that had done the actual samples, and their only complaint was that it was a little bit slow, but um, you know sometimes if, if you don't want to be charged an arm and leg, you've got to be a little bit patient on things. I mean, even even Marvel and d c that there's a three month you know wait on you know uh, uh, stuff for previews. And in fairness, Marvel doesn't see money for those books for six months. You know, right. know, don't that. So, you know, for somebody to have to wait six weeks for a turnaround on this, I'm really kind of ahead of the game on that. And I'm, you know, kind of getting back. And honestly, I, my goal was $5,000. If it hit $5,000 even, I wasn't really putting money in my pocket. If so, I might have been able to finance a trip to the movies. I mean, this, this was about as bare minimum as I could get and kind of stay in the safe zone of being able to fulfill things. Um, so I, I, I don't, you know, I think that's kind of problem with uh, with uh, people not understanding entrepreneurship, which is, the, which is what Kickstarter is. Right. So do you think you're going to
0: try it again, or do you think you're going to try another one of the sites like the GoFundMe page instead?
1: I don't know, to be honest with you. I can tell you I have not given up on on the creation of the book. I don't know if last time I was here I had realized how massive of a complete book that I had.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) I, I actually found out that if I were to publish the the complete story arc that right now it would be the second largest graphic novel ever by one person um, if I added about I think... 60 pages it would be the largest and that so
0: impressive and
1: that's a add, huge book <laughs> yeah so you know and we're talking like uh, you know approximately 700 pages worth so. Um, you know, that's 700 pages, and I know for, for people that don't, you know, and I'm, not, I, I'm really not trying to be insulting, about for people that don't make comics, they don't really understand how much work is involved. And I'm not complaining, I'm just saying that when people ask me to draw stuff for them, like, I charge them for time more than I charge them for materials. I'm like, how much time is it going to take me? And I literally figure out, is this going to take me a day, and how many days is this going to take me and I'm charging you basically by the day and so you know i can I can pencil two pages a day, but that's me having no life and i'm not I'm not complaining; I'm just saying I can get two pages done a day, but that's me having no life. that's not me drawing two pages in two hours and me going and playing and watching t v the rest of the day, so right, you know. You extrapolate, you know, when I figure this stuff up and I'm like, well, you know, it takes me a, a day to color, I'm not, I'm not insulting any super talents like Laura Martin or Nia uh, uh, Ruffino, anything like I hope I didn't say her name wrong, anything like that, because those are phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, colors, and I'm sure they move a whole lot faster than me, but for me to really be happy with the way that the colors are and really make it look nice, you know, I, I needed I, I need at least a good whole day worth of work, and then if I ink it, that's probably a good day's worth of work too because I add a lot of detail in into the inks, and so you know that right there, that's three days worth of work for one page, and you extrapolate that by you know the last few issues that I haven't you know that I haven't put out, which was going to be one issue, it's like 260 pages. So uh, I I don't think people really understood. You know, the the other thing that probably hurt was uh, my first issue was double in size. So, you know, I couldn't get away with asking like $2,500 or $3,000 because to print, you know, in color, even if one page is in color, they charge you for every page. For that, it was going to be, you know, around $2,000 to to order that amount of books, you know. Um, Now, the positive is, you know, if the Kickstarters go over and they have these massive successes, you can do different things. You can, you know, order more copies. You know, one of the things I was holding as a secret back burner was that if it did really hit big, uh, I was gonna give people the second issue for free and and just say, hey, just because I made enough money, I'm going to go ahead and print it and send it with them um, and not charge anybody any extra. Um, it didn't hit that, but that was that was my goal because I worked really hard, and I want people to enjoy the book, you know. Um, right. But certain things are out of my hands, and that's, you know, that's one of the things, you know, the, the, the printing companies just don't have the charity of themselves to go, oh, let us just print your massively gigantic book for you, Sean, just so you can give away to people. Um, but, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've seen stuff on Kickstarter that you're like, I have no idea how in the world anybody gave me. You know, and sometimes it's insulting. Like, there's the dude that sold potato salad, and I get that maybe somebody was just joking around. But, like, really, who gives, like, 10 or $50 to somebody making potato salad? Like, you can't me. Yeah, I mean, but so for real, like, I mean, it, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think about how important this is to me. And I've donated to people, like, there was a kid uh, that was making an album. He was like an 18-year-old kid, and he just wanted to make his first country album. And I don't like country music, but I was like, you know what, I'd get that. I'll give him 20 bucks so he can go in the studio, you know. Um, like, I would rather give money for something of somebody developing some sort of technology or something that was their passion or something that I thought was cool, I'd just like to have, then just throw money away to some goofball that's going to make potato salad. You know. Right. Um, I, I think it goes hand in hand with what we were saying about earlier about the, it's not the people that run the stores or the people that work the stores, it's the people that show up at the stores at three in the morning to get the deal on a toaster you know for christmas uh that's
0: why we 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 enable this stuff we really do um when it comes to me and kickstarter i'm going to be honest most of the time when i back a kickstarter it's somebody that i know or somebody was like hey this is a friend of mine um i think you might be interested in this go check it out and then i go and i check it out and sometimes i talk to the creator like I need a little bit more information. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And then I base it off of that. Nine times out of ten, if it's a friend like with you or Sean or anybody, uh, uh, because I do have another friend named Sean, or anybody like that, I just blindly look at what I can afford. And I automatically donate that because I'm showing my support for my friends. Cause then once actually, cause I'll take your comic the first time around, and I will support a Kickstarter, and then I'll read it, and then I'll tell you honestly, like, yeah, I won't be doing that again. But there have been times that I've been burned, even by some of my own friends. Now I'm not going to name a name here, but almost now three, I'm going on two or three years now. That's how long it's been. Um, one, two, yeah, I'm going on three years now. There was a Kickstarter, and I backed it. And I backed it with a decent amount of money. I even got my mother to back it with a decent amount of money. It got funded, and we yeah. still don't have a product in our hands.
1: You know, i tell you what's funny, cause, and, I, and I hate that. I really hate that that, that, that happens because there's a lot. It, I don't know how many people look at it this way, but there are people that feel like it, it's a sham and it's a fraud, so they don't donate to anybody because they got taken out of the war.
0: Right. I mean, somebody who this Kickstarter was their first one, obviously, they're not going to do a Kickstarter again, because right now, they feel scammed out of their item. They probably put in money and they're going on their third year and it, the, the only thing that makes it worse for me is I know the creator personally. I've run into him at other conventions and he's like, oh, I just haven't had the time. I went on a vacation here or I went oh, on, a vac- that. Not
1: on a vacation.
0: Why are you going on you like a vacation? that I paid you for that yes. you promised me at the end of the year that I made the donation to. And you're going to tell me that you've been to Japan and here and there and everywhere, but you haven't had the time to finish my book and send it to me.
1: You know, there was a book a couple of years ago that I donated a little bit of money to. It wasn't enough to get the product, but I was supposed to get like a wallpaper or something. And, you know, because I was getting the wallpaper, I was really just donating money to help them. You know, I I didn't really care if I got the product or anything, and I certainly didn't worry about the wallpaper. And so I'd get these emails all the time about the uh, the status, and I never read them because I was like, eh, you know, I'm I'm not worried about it. So, I mean, this was like a couple of years ago. So when I started doing my Kickstarter, I'm like I wonder what this guy's sending me, you know, this email for. And I look, and he's like, okay, we're finally going to get this thing published. I'm sorry for the late – I'm thinking, they've not even sent this thing out yet. It's been like like several years. And then I'm thinking, uh, then on top of that, not only was he like years late, like at least two years behind shipping this thing, he turns around, does a Kickstarter at the same time I do one – And he gets massive hits of people throwing him money. And I'm like, he didn't. It took him forever to fulfill the other one. Like, and I get sometimes, you know, sometimes you make mistakes. Uh, Years ago, I sold some stuff on eBay, and the very first thing I sold, I lost money on shipping because I didn't understand. And sometimes you you make mistakes, and I make mistakes, but I'm just kind of like, I don't want to see the guy punished forever, but like, how do you how do you triple your goal the first day when it took you several years to fulfill the last one that you did? Um, right. So, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to pers- I'm not trying to get people to sway away from Kickstarter because I do think that it offers the potential. Um for people to do uh, really great things. But two, I don't know if Kickstarter is the most helpful about it because they're pushing forward the people that really don't need the help at that point, and the people that are really struggling, they're kind of dusting them under the rug and making them harder to find. And to be honest with you, I'd be just as happy of them not ranking anybody on the page and just putting everybody on the same page, and you just see all the results at once, you know. Um, Because I I don't really think – and two, if Kickstarter is going to get a piece of – a percentage of what they make, they only stand to make more money by making as many people successful as humanly possible. Right, um, but I guess they're kind of like, well, if we if we can make three people have hundred thousand dollar kickstarters, then we're not worried about the fifteen people that don't make their goal. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's an algorithm in there somewhere that they they figured out. Um, but that's just kind of that's just kind of my rant on that. What else would you, would you like to know? My feelings upon <laughs>
0: i think i almost broke them down sorry guys my bad ah well um other than the comic book side how are things going with you any movies or anything you've gone out and seen anything like that lately
1: uh i've seen some stuff some stuff i've liked and some stuff i've not some things i've wanted to try to um uh I, I know I, I know for a fact that usually my sensibility is not the population's sensibility uh, as far as, as, as comic book movies go. Um, it's real funny. Usually I'll sit there, and I'll be the one guy that everybody will come in like, wasn't that great? Like, I kind of thought that sucked. And they're like, you're crazy. I'm going to punch you in the face. And then two years later, they'll go, oh, yeah, that movie totally sucked. Or have you seen Wonder Woman? I did see Wonder Woman. Uh, you want my you want my review of Wonder Woman?
0: Go ahead. Give me your review of Wonder Woman.
1: Okay. Overall, I think Wonder Woman's a, uh, a great film. I, I don't know if I'd say great. Wonder Woman's a good film. I think that it has a good story to it. I think that, I don't know how you say her name. Is it gil Gil-Gado, Godot, Gil-Gadot? Uh, gadget?
0: Gadget? Gadget or something like that?
1: The, the yeah, woman gosh. that
0: plays Wonder Woman,
1: I love her. I think she did a fantastic job. I I have not any criticism on her whatsoever. Um, I loved the women that that were the Amazons. Um, my better half had to had to break it to me when we were in the theater that her aunt was uh, Jenny from Forrest Gump, and I was like, really. <laughs> And uh, and I swear because we saw that movie twice and I kept looking like I swear to God I, that does not look like Ginny she's been working out uh, she had ripped from the <laughs> uh, but you <laughs> know what I give I give Robin Wright credit because she looks really great in that film and I absolutely buy the idea that the Amazons were badasses and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way like if you're going to portray something in a film people need to believe what they're seeing. And they absolutely portrayed that I, I bought this that this society existed and that they were badasses and that they were tough and strong and and uh, you know I love the the woman that played Queen Hippolyta um, you know sometimes in casting I, you know for, for comic book movies or something I'll say I'll have three categories horrible casting eh like I always say there's that casting of if I was a casting director and you said there was one more person out there, I'd see him. Um, and I kind of feel that about a lot of big big casting roles. Um, the only one I kind of feel that way about in this is is Chris Pine. Um, I don't think he's horrible, but I don't know if I'd say he was that he like blew me out of the water by any means. Um, but one of the things I've often uh, realized is that when you have a character like Wonder Woman, they did a very good job of not making him look like a complete uh, wuss because him getting rescued by Wonder Woman all the time kind of diminishes his ability to get anything done. And I think they did a really excellent job of uh, of making him like, you know, a... Uh, uh, a valuable character in the story, um, and not just somebody to be rescued. Um, right. I, I I I did like the film. Most of my criticism was the first time we saw it, it was so dark at parts it was very hard to see. And I'm really kind of like. And then there's a the part where they go to London and it's. So, and I understand it's supposed to be dark and dingy, but we've seen dark and dingy in movies forever. It just kind of feels like the palette, you know, muddies out, and there's not really any, like you should still enjoy what you're seeing on the screen, like you know, um, and it could be ugly and horrific, but it's just kind of like the. And I thought a lot of the CGI was was pretty piss poor. Um. I'm hoping that, and I'm imagining that with the money that it has made this year, I heard that it made more than uh, than Guardians did. That I, I imagine they'll throw more CGI money at it next time. That there will be a sequel to it, but um, that's really. My oh, only
0: I'm complaint. sure there'll be a sequel.
1: Yeah, that, that's really my only complaint is that it, that the CGI was a little a little muddy. Um, I, I did very much. Like her, I very much like the way that they made her very soft and caring, yet a very powerful warrior. Uh, I do worry that this Justice League movie is going to be like Batman v Superman Part Two and just a complete mess, and it's going to diminish what we've liked about her.
0: Hey, at least they're making Aquaman a badass like he should be, though. You,
1: you know, I've never liked Aquaman, and I actually kind of like him in his trailers.
0: Yeah, I, I, Here's the thing. So, Aquaman got really. If you read some of his earlier work, I mean, the guy controls all the creatures of the sea. And but all had, the criminals
1: lie the, on
0: the earth. It is related to Wonder Woman because he's the ruler of the seas, which makes him related to Poseidon. Wonder Woman was created by the gods as well. They're related. So he's just as strong, such a, just as badass as she is but somebody went oh he talks to fish let's make him a little pussy no aquaman's a total badass like he could because he actually uses things like his triton, which is magic he could actually use his triton to beat the crap out of superman because it's magic magic beats superman we've all learned this that's why shazam could knock the crap out of superman and so seeing aquaman as a total badass actually totally works for me um the Wonder Woman movie, I enjoyed it. Was it a great movie? No. Was it a good movie? Yes. What I think my biggest problem of the Wonder Woman movie is the hype that was around it pissed me off. There was oh, so much. I- it, it, it was the fact that everybody focused on the fact that it was a, it was a female in the lead role and that's all everybody kept talking about i don't give a crap if it's a male or female what i care about is is the story good is the acting good does the storyline follow a beginning a middle an end does it actually deliver to me from all the points of view that i want to sit down and watch a movie yeah i think i'm
1: not happy with you i i i you know, I will say this, and, and I agree with you, like, I don't care if it's male or female in the role, as long as it's appropriate for whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. Um, but I will say this, as, as far as I go, for, for this particular movie, I think the fact that it has shown to Hollywood, it, it has proven to Hollywood that they don't have to balk on a female being, like a female-led film, because it, it can make money. But in fairness, like, L- Lucy with Scarlett Johansson wasn't really a great film. You know, it, it started out real good, but it wasn't really a great film. You think you're kind of seeing her be Black like Widow, but it's not really that. And so right. a lot of times when they're like, oh, well, it didn't make money because it was Like, Ghostbusters didn't make money because it was women. Ghostbusters didn't make a shit ton of money because it wasn't really great. It wasn't horrible. it wasn't great, you know. And there and and then there's this kind of odd dichotomy too of uh, where everybody flocks to a film the first weekend, makes it a record breaker, and they're like, Oh, you know the, like Slowland Three was it kind of sucked. You know. But one of the biggest,
0: but there are people out there who go well. Thanks to Wonder Woman, now Atomic Blonde proves again. I'm like proves again what Atomic Blonde, regardless of Wonder Woman, was still going to be a fantastic movie, and it is a fantastic movie. It yes. is a great movie. I, I, I enjoyed it.
1: I have not seen that, but but you're right. The Wonder Woman succeeding or not succeeding was not going to. Except I, I will say this. You're right that no, it's not going to change if that movie is good or bad, but the way that, that a, a film is received, especially if it's a catastrophe that a lot of money has been thrown into it, or if it's a movie that made a ton of money, then Hollywood oh. starts going, we have to put this in the formula. We either have to Which get why, far why we're it. all
0: thankful that Catwoman never made a lot of money. <laughs>
1: well, that's because that's, that, that, was,
0: that movie is <laughs> horrible. That movie, that movie, that movie should that have been... That's, you know how they have, like, burnings? That movie should have been in a burning. Like, they should have been like, okay, we're not even going to recognize this as this was ever made. Like, somebody find every footage of it and scrap it. Now, burn it. Well, like, it was never, like, never
1: existed. Let me let me use Catwoman as the perfect basis. And I, I understand it's a DC movie. I, I understand that, But let me use Catwoman as the perfect basis of why Marvel is losing money in their comic books. Marvel? Marvel Marvel Comics is, in the last probably five or six years, has been slowly going down. And and DC's lost money, but I'd, I'd say that the one that's really taken a hit as far as the people hating, you know, and I'm just going by what people tell me, about people hating what they're reading or not enjoying what they're reading, is... Marvel's been working on a bait and switch model, and that type of model leaves people sour, and I'll explain that. Remember when the first Iron Man movie came out? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, with, if you were into comic books, you knew who Iron Man was, but the average individual had no idea who Iron Man he was. Nope. He was a B-list character, and giving him absolute best, he was a B-list character. And the fact that they cast uh, Robert Downey Jr. was probably the smartest thing that they ever did because his charisma was probably more interesting than Tony Stark ever was in the comic.
0: See, um, I find him to be I, – I see, I, I go with the fact that getting Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark was like – yeah, so let's find the one after that is an alcoholic, drug-using woman. Oh, hey, Robert Downey Jr., come here. I've got a character for you. You're not really going to have to act it. It's going to be great for you. Come here.
1: come here. Now, I'll tell you the two aspects of the way I saw this. I remember seeing the trailer for it. And the thing that blew my mind, more than anything, and you're going to go, what? More than anything in the trailer was at the very end of the first trailer, there's the shot of him flying through the air with the jet. Uh huh. And, and I remember thinking, they can fly. Like they can't do that because. And and I think you and I are, are fairly close in ages. You know, growing up in the eighties, you know, if, if there was any sort of superhero movie, it was almost like either the costume was completely literal to where it was a leotard, or it was so far away it was no one resembled. You know, I for example, Thor or Daredevil in the Incredible Hulk TV shows. Uh, right. the so then the other thing is, okay, we're going to make him look like Iron Man, going to wear the suit, and it's going to be this and that, but you can't make him fly because, well, you just, like, I remember seeing the Thor film, and while I'm not thinking that's not really a great film, like him spinning the hammer and, you know, like doing things or him actually fly. flying, like, they're, they're, they're going to make him fly? Like, because we had grown up so much with, we didn't really get what we read in the comics. We kind of got whatever it is they handed to us, and we we're lucky if we got kind of part of it. You know, there was always had to be something that they left out or something that kind of left us slightly disappointed that we just didn't get to see. So, you know, when they did the first Iron Man movie, like, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a great film. I think it's fun. I think It's interesting. I think it's kind of a cute film. It's very simple. It's very easy to follow. And I think that's all that it had to be because it's a brand new character and you don't want to buy, give people too much to bite off of. And I think it worked great. Well, well I
0: think what worked is was is they, they, they kept as much of the original comic as they possibly could. And where Marvel – see, where I think Marvel has their downfall from a lot of the comics that I've read recently coming out of theirs – is they walked away from the one thing that really turned Marvel around before Marvel was going to be in serious trouble is when Stanley said, Screw you. After talking to his wife, he went and he decided to write the comics that he wanted. So he came yeah. up with characters like Spider Man and the Fantastic Four, along with Jack Kirby. And they had, it was not the superhero aspect that was pulling the comic, but it was following Peter Parker. It was following Susan Storm and uh, Ben and Reed Richards. And now they're focusing more on the superhero, which is what DC's always done.
1: Well, see, DC's heroes, and it's like you said about Aquaman, he's a god. They were all gods. They were all the Greek gods, and, and Batman was was, uh, I was about to say, game. Batman was not a god.
0: He was just no, really no.
1: rich. But, but I mean, he's he's the one that battles with the gods, you know. And and Marvel was the flawed hero, the monster that that's not a monster. But when when the Iron Man movie came out, and everybody's high on it, and they're like, oh wow, like they they can make really good comic book movies. You know, people come into comic book stores. And I remember making this argument. I remember making this argument over and over and over again. They make the Iron Man film awesome, and at the exact time it's coming out, Tony Stark is the biggest dick in the Marvel Universe and is the biggest villain. In wrestling, he was the number one heel of the territory at the time because he was running the story (laughs) in Civil War. And I'm like, people are going to come in. They're going to read this book, and they're going to go, well, that's not what I wanted to read. They're going to put it back on the shelf, and they're going to walk out. And that's where Marvel's been dropping the ball, because Marvel's been trying to sell books by rebooting to number one, by changing the storyline, by saying, oh, well, we're just going to throw all this stuff out. Oh, you know what? So you go to the movie, you're like, hey, I like uh, Spider-Man. I like Thor. I like uh, Hulk, you know, and I like Captain America. And you go into the comic book store. And those characters are not the ones that are in those books. And so the audience that they're hoping to bring in, they're not coming back because you're not – you've given them a two-and-a-half-hour-long commercial for your book. And they've not – and then when you go buy the book, it's a bait-and-switch. We gave you something else. And but the same the thing argument. could be said about DC because they turned
0: all their characters into emo people.
1: You're, you're correct. You know, as far as the New 52 went, they did very much radically change them. And even in the film, the film versions aren't really very often representative of the comic book versions. Um, but, you know, there's the argument of, well, the diversity is killing, and no, you're being a racist. Well, it, it's kind of sort of yes, no. Look, People uh, people like Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But let me break this down and tell you why Miles Morales' Spider-Man is not saving the Marvel Universe. This is going to get very personal now, but I will. So <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, I was raised uh, – my sister there, – there's a big age difference between me and my sister. So I grew up as an only child. And so I grew up with uh, – my grandparents raised me and uh, I, my best friend lived too far away for me to walk to, so I was pretty much on my own all the time. Uh, I got picked on in school. I was a nerd in school. I didn't fit in with people very well. So, you know, to be, you know, five years old and to see Spider-Man and his amazing friends and see the origin of Peter Parker, you know, on the thing, like, you couldn't have shown me my life more than that. You know, minus the right. being amazing spider powers. So, I always gravitated towards Spider-Man because, A, he worked alone. B, Spider-Man is always being kind of the underdog and the common guy. I mean, he has spider powers, but he's not the Hulk. He doesn't have a bulletproof costume. He doesn't really have crazy technology, but he's really smart. He developed web shooters. He's a smart smartass, that was a big thing for me, the smart ass. And I loved how in the comics he'd be getting the hell beat out of him, but he'd be like just throwing these one-liners, you know, to, to, to think that they weren't doing the job. And because of the humor aspect of it is why I always put him over Batman in my favorites. Uh, and, and I just identified with the Peter Parker character as a 42-year-old I can't identify with Miles Morales. Now, I'm not saying that they should throw the character out. I'm just saying I've got nothing to identify with Miles Morales. That's, that character is right. not for me. But my argument is that instead of calling him Spider-Man, why not give him his own character? Why not take all these characters that they're trying to put in these white man monikers why not give them their own thing? You know, I'm not interested in watching White Blade. You know, or you know, or Asian Black Panther. You know, I one of my favorite heroes as a kid was the Falcon. I thought the Falcon was awesome. He had the suit and had you know the wings. It was red and white, and he had the the, the Falcon that flew with him. And uh, mm-hmm. I just thought that was like the, I was so excited when in Winter Soldier they were going to have Falcon. i was like, oh my god, that's like one of my absolute favorite characters of all time. But you have people that comics, that its main demographic is males 25 to 55. And you have this kind of 40 to 55 year bracket of people that have bought 30 titles a month for the last 50 years. And now they come in and those characters aren't, Aren't in the books anymore. Those people are going out the door in hopes that one, you know, one, you know, uh, diversity individual is going to come in and buy one book with that character. So you're trading masses for for very small sales. And I'm not saying throw out these these diversity characters. I like I said, people like Miles Morales. Like he's obviously he's got an awesome costume. I'd get, I mean that's a that's an awesome costume, that black outfit. Yes, it red. Is. I mean, it's awesome. And I get that, you know, that that, uh, that will attract kids like Peter Parker did to me. I'm just saying, don't rob me of what I have of Peter Parker. And so, you know, that. See, I don't think
0: true. that they're trying to actually rob you of their Peter Parker. It's kind of more of like the torch has been passed. Um, the way that I see it it would be like there like like Bruce Wayne said, there there will always need to be a Batman. There will yeah. always need to be a Spider Man. And whether it's Peter Parker behind the mask or Miles in the mask, it's more not he he's identified it's not that he is it's not that he is Peter Parker Spider Man. He is still a Spider Man, so there's still a Spider Man Keeping the legend of the superhero alive is the way that I look at it. Not to take but, away from anything that it was ours.
1: But even if Miles Morales didn't exist, he's not the same Peter Parker anymore. You know, he's, he's, and this is where I have a lot of problems. He's He's got, they basically turned him into Tony Stark. He's got, you know, this armored costume. He's got all this money. And he doesn't even, he didn't even earn the money. It's money that he. It's a company he took over that he wasn't smart enough to do on his own that he stole, that, that he just kind of inherited from Doc Ock being in the suit. And I won't even get into the whole thing about that. But right. the, you know, the, the Homecoming movie, I remember sitting there very sad throughout the film because, and you've seen the film, right? I'm not going to spoil anything, right?
0: Homecoming. I have. Not, I actually have not seen Homecoming. Okay. I do
1: plan on going to see it this weekend because okay. I, uh, I will I be
0: watching it. Wonder Woman a second time because we have a drive-in and they're actually doing Wonder Woman and Spider-Man: Homecoming back to back.
1: Oh my God, that would be awesome! I would, Yay, I, David! Would, I would so do that at the drive-in. Um, anyway, I won't. I won't spoil Spider-Man for you. Then I, I'll just sit there and say there were parts that I felt strayed from the model. Too much that they could have stayed. There are things, there are things that I'm like, absolutely fine with, and uh, you know, I don't think this spoils anything that Liz Allen, who was an old Spider-Man girlfriend from the day, you know, they've changed her ethnicity, and I'm perfectly cool with that. That, that's that's not on my radar of things I'm angry about. But you know, it's kind of like the Hulk, you know. uh, I mean, Marvel just doesn't seem to make sense. The story that was explained to me is that Banner tells Hawkeye that it's too dangerous for him to become the Hulk, so if he starts to turn, shoot him with an uh, animanium arrow and kill him, so Hawkeye Mm -hmm. does this, and then Hawkeye goes to prison, I'm like, why would he go to prison? He'd be a national hero. The Hulk's already considered this crazed monster that goes around by the military. He'd be honored for this. They wouldn't throw him in prison. like. It's – some of the the things that they, they go on about just kind of, you know, get me. Um, I will say this. You have seen Suicide Squad, right?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: unfortunately. Okay, okay. So I'm taking it you didn't like Suicide Squad?
0: No, I did not like Suicide Squad by any okay. means.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm going to get you to agree with me here. Okay? <laughs> I know no, no, no. Because I, I know you're sitting there. I know you're going to go. There's no way I'm going to see any good out of it. But just hear me out on this. Suicide Squad was a movie that was, I think, received better than Batman versus Superman, but was not really well loved either. But I like Suicide Squad but I will absolutely admit the story is a complete catastrophe. I will say that the CGI in parts are a complete catastrophe. Um, But I think Suicide Squad saving grace, I think the reason that you have people that say, oh, I really like Suicide Squad, because I did really like Suicide Squad. No, well, maybe some of them were. I wouldn't. That that at least as far as Amanda Waller, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and Diablo, they were very interesting to watch. Okay,
0: now the lady who played Amanda Waller, other than the fact that they made her skinny, which pissed me off, sorry.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. I kind of like fat Amanda Waller, too.
0: I'm sorry. I finally get a husky woman who even makes bat, basically shit in his bat britches when she walks out. And I get this uh, big, powerful, big woman, and they're like, no, nah, we can't have a big woman on the screen. Make her skinny. Piss me off. But other than that, yes, she was Amanda Waller. I'm just pissed that they had to make her skinny. Stop. You know, <laughs> people talk about whitewashing characters. Stop skinnywashing characters. Damn well, it. Uh,
1: look, look, and and here's the thing. Here's the thing, that, and I told somebody the other day, I said, all this kind of changing things around to help sell books or to kind of be cool and hip, it's like sitting there saying that you have a friend named Frank. And Frank is, you know, a 58-year-old Italian white guy. And one day, a little, you know, three-foot-tall, you know, uh, 25-year-old black guy comes in and he says, I'm going to be Frank from now on. And you're like, okay, Frank. So you want to go uh, golfing? I don't golf. Okay. How's your wife? I'm not married. And you're just kind of like, well, uh, you're not quite the Frank that I've been spending all my time with, you know. And that's that's kind of how we feel when they change, you know, they they change the the dramatic structure of these characters. Um, and if they skinny washed, uh, you know, Amanda Waller, they black washed know, Deadshot, because Deadshot was not a black character. But I do like Will Smith as Deadshot, and I liked Margot Robbie, and I don't even really care for Harley Quinn, and I like her character, and I like the Diablo character. My argument was that they didn't develop the rest of the squad like they did those, character-wise, and that the plot of the film didn't make sense. I remember there's a part in the film where when they go and they rescue Manda Waller, the whole theater went, what, huh? Because what? it didn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you just say we got to rescue Manda Waller? And all of a sudden, they're like, where did she come from? Why is she there? If she got in there, why did they need to go in there? Um, right. So, And
0: it also had a lot to do with the fact that, let's face it, so, they they did this huge hype with the Joker, who was barely in the movie. They obviously... You could tell they cut out stuff, because there's just stuff that it's like... Dude, there's a major gap in this movie. Like, yes. there, this there is.
1: Make any- It's probably around that Amanda Waller part where she shows up.
0: It's more than just that. There, there's like two or three instances that you're just like... Um, I missed something. What the hell happened? I'm confused.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, then- I'm wondering if uh, the Justice League film is going to to come off like that. I'm wondering if they're trying to do everything, because if you notice on that last trailer, it's much more lighthearted, and it looks like it's been tried to be made a whole lot more fun. I think they're trying to polish a turd. I think they're showing you all the best parts right now.
0: Right. And that was another problem that I had with Suicide Squad is that they actually showed all the best parts of it and even some really cool parts that got cut from the movie in the trailers that they showed. And you're just like, um, OK. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not saying that it's right to whitewash or blackwash a character, but at least that I can understand a little bit more. Because um, if you find an actor who actually plays the character, it shouldn't de- it shouldn't depend on the color of their skin. And it is true whether the person is big or skinny. If you find the person who plays the part, it's just there's very few bigger set people in comics, in music, in any form of pop cult- culture entertainment that people like myself could go, oh, I could actually be something in this world because that person was able to do it but unfortunately society's like no you are 20 pounds overweight if you don't go and become a bulimic or an anorexic or you go do something that you absolutely hate like exercising i'm sorry i hate exercising say what you want i hate it i get so bored and i get so frustrated with it that i don't want to do it which is why i don't freaking do it
1: well see my argument
0: characters.
1: My argument is if you look at it like a criminal profile, you know, when the when the the writer or the art the creator of these of these characters of all these characters, they have created an image from the top to the bottom. No pun intended. Right. You know, they they've decided, well, this is an individual that is of certain height and certain ethnicity and certain gender and certain weight and certain build, and they have X amount upbringing and X amount of this. It, it's not unlike sitting there saying, uh, I always say, you know, uh, it, it's like saying, I make the best pizza in the world, come over and have my pizza, and you come over and I give you a hamburger, and you're like, well, this is, a ha- no, that's how I make my pizza. <laughs> and you're like, well, I, was, I was, I was, and so you're expecting it to be one thing, and then you get there, and it's not that anymore. But you know, I, I get, I get your thing, your your thing with Amanda Waller is kind of like my Peter Parker. It's like, and and I understand too that this is a character that's been around a very long time and has to be reinvented for new audiences. But those younger audiences aren't really coming in, so you need to leave them alone. That's my kind of my argument, like. If right. the kids are coming in to do it, just leave him alone. And uh, because in fairness, you know, he, he came out in 63. The fact that he worked for a newspaper, it wasn't really above my head, you know, in 1980. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, like you can read those old 60s and 70s Spider-Man and still pretty much get the gist of it. There's there's one there. There's one where he meets Power Man, and for the next few issues, he uses the word dig quite often, which is quite humorous. But um, right, you know, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico?
0: A long time ago, like
1: with, when it came out. Yeah. Okay. So here's my argument: Suicide Squad is kind of like Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Once Upon a Time in Mexico is a horrible, horrible movie. But it has the best dialogue in a movie that could be so horrible. I mean, I'm not a Johnny Depp fan, but it's one of Johnny Depp's best movies he's ever been in. On the same, really, I Baton thought movie. The Lone Ranger was. I've not, I've not seen The Lone Ranger <laughs> <laughs> either. Don't. oh
0: dear God, don't, <laughs> just fucking don't. Just that. that is one of those things. Again, you should act like it never existed. It's that bad.
1: Now, I, I tell you, I was a big fan of The Lone Ranger as a kid. So I was so excited that there was a movie. But I heard so many horrible things that I kind of stayed away. But once upon a time in Mexico, it's a bait and switch. You think you're seeing Desperado technically part three, at least part two, with Antonio Banderas. High, and they're in like 15 minutes of the movie. I mean, it's, it's a horrible film. But it has great dialogue. Suicide Squad is a horrible film that has like three or four really interesting characters to watch. That for me, I can enjoy watching those characters despite the horribleness of the background. Um, right. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that the story doesn't have issues. The story definitely has issues and. And I think if it was, you know, and I don't understand, I totally get that somebody runs a movie studio and they're putting millions of dollars up on something. And you may have a great idea called uh, The Tomato Slinger, and you think The Tomato Slinger will be the biggest movie they ever make. And the guy goes, well, nobody's ever heard of The Tomato Slinger, so I don't want to invest $300 million to make the tomato slinger because I may lose my $300 million. As horrible as that is, I get that. I totally understand that because that's a reasonable excuse to turn something down. I'm just afraid to make the risk on it. That's a valid valid turn down in some way. You can't live your life being afraid to run risks but I I get that. What I don't get is oh, I don't want to run a risk so let's go buy Batman. But instead of making him Bruce Wayne, let's make him an Asian guy called Joe. And his costume's going to be pink, and he's going to ride around in a semi truck, and he's going to hurl uh, baggage, you know, like uh, brown bags of cat poo. But it's Batman, and I'm kind of like, why did you go to the trouble to buy a property just to change everything about it because? The whole thing was getting people in because they recognized
0: it. Now, there are some times times that they have changed a character,
1: completely
0: changed a character, and I actually haven't had any problems with it. Um, A really good example is, did you ever watch the DC animated movie of Gods and Monsters?
1: I have not seen Gods and Monsters.
0: Okay, so basically they take everything that you've ever known about Batman superman and wonder woman and wipe it now of course this is by the genius bruce tim the guy who brought us batman the animated series and as far as i'm concerned this man can't do no fracking wrong he really can't he's just like somebody let him write the live action movies please like that'd be fantastic but he takes batman and it's no longer bruce wayne it's um the the doctor who's the man bat in the animated series and in the comics, uh,
1: okay. yeah, yeah, I don't he know becomes mean, but Batman,
0: that. but Batman is a vampire, so okay. he doesn't take in his enemies. He eats, he drains them of their blood. Okay. That's Batman. Wonder Woman is actually dark, uh Dark Side's daughter.
1: Okay,
0: and he marries and and. So that's where her background comes from, and Superman is the son of Zod.
1: Okay, okay, right. but no, so this is like is, an alternate you, universe or something, like an alternate. Yeah, it is an alternate
0: universe, but <laughs> if if they want to change the aspects of the characters and they want to and they want to do an alternate universe, as long as you you know you have to put some reasoning behind it. Why is this character different? Give us the backstory and why this character is different. Oh, well, this was their upbringing versus this upbringing. You know, Superman didn't land on a nice little farm. He landed in the city and was orphaned. And, yeah.
1: Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I, I want to kind of – I don't know if I'm shooting your, your argument or if I'm agreeing with it. So – Probably both at the same
0: Probably time both. knowing.
1: Because I see <laughs> what you're saying, and I'm and i and I'm not, like, having a problem. Like, if you came and you, this was your idea and you were trying to pitch this to me, I'd say, yeah, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Because you're pitching it as we're just telling one story. We're telling right. one story of what if a different universe, this is a completely different version, and I get that. Okay,
0: so what we call in the comic book universe one-shots.
1: One-shot, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, but the thing is, is that DC does that like how you just put it. Marvel does that as main continuity. Like a good example is when they did uh, the Spider Verse, which was a ridiculous premise. The premise of Spider Verse was there are these beings that that eat spiders. Spiders meaning like Peter, like Peter Parker. Well, there's mm-hmm. always one Peter Parker in our in our Earth, so. They have to go to all these different alternate realities. And I'm thinking, well, how long have these people existed just eating these spiders for one? Because obviously they're not in high demand, right? The second thing is there was good ideas mixed with bad execution. One of the things with the Spider-Verse is we're going to bring in every version of Spider Man that there is. Indian Spider Man. Doc Ock, Spider-Man, uh, Captain Universe, Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Ham, Peter Porker, you know. So they bring in all these things, but what? what I, love one, Peter Parker. I love Peter Porker. I oh, love Peter Porker. That was the best part of it is that they had Peter Porker. But this is what doesn't make sense. First off, they, they have Indian Spider-Man crying in the corner because he realizes that Peter Parker is the alpha Pro. Well, one, you wouldn't know that. They would all think that they're the alpha prime for one because if you were in a room with all uh, alternate versions of you from all of these other universes, wouldn't you think you were the main one? Two.
0: Oh, no, i would going have to think. I'd know.
1: Yeah. So, one, two, why would Peter leave them? Because that doesn't really fit into his personality. He's not really the take-lead character. And then two, they bring in which I thought was one of the best, most entertaining things. You could not have went from smile to disappointment any quicker. They bring in, they come through Miles Morales and the the shitty Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon version, bring in Japanese Spider-Man and the fucking goddamn robot. And I'm like, (laughs) awesome. And on the next page, they destroy him. And I'm like, there's British Spider-Man that nobody's ever heard of until this book. Right. And you kill, not even, like, at least have fun with the Japanese Spider-Man robot. Just destroy it. I'm
0: sorry. If I have a Japanese Spider-Man robot, I am finding a Godzilla somewhere, and I'm having that comic. And, and,
1: and, and I was even kind of amazed, because I didn't read the spin I only read the main series. And I was like, in as much as they tell Miles Mouth, and I'm not... Listen, I acknowledge that he's a big thing. I'm not a fan of Miles Morales. I was like, why have they almost completely written him out of this story? You know what I'm <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, like, I don't, I don't quite get. I think Marvel has went from trying to to make political statements and trying to do everything and, and gimmick things up instead of just saying. Let's just make really fun books that people can put down and escape from everything they hate about their life and just say, man, you know what? I know that was kind of ludicrous, but it was just kind of fun to see Peter Parker and the Japanese Spider-Man robot for one issue beat up bad guys. Which that
0: really wouldn't be that bad.
1: No. If it was
0: one issue. See,
1: I learned. I was a kid, there were several things that influenced me in art. Spider-Man and his his amazing friends was hugely influential to me. Uh, Todd McFarlane's run on Spider-Man was hugely influential to me. And something else that was really influential was Tim Burton's Batman. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't until then, and I know this sounds stupid, you know, in, in 2017, but in 1989, I didn't realize that black could be cool in the fact that a character could be dressed in all black. In in essence, he's almost a bad guy. It's the ominous. It's the dark. It's emo. He's not a bad guy? He's Batman. You know. So, yeah, he's Batman. So the fact that I could put the color black into a good guy, that it's not the cowboy wearing the black hat and the white hat, like, no, he's this is this is okay. It's cool to make things kind of like a horror movie, but right, but good guys.
0: Oh, speaking of horror movies, have you seen the trailer for the new It?
1: I have. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I never really saw the old It. Really? Yeah, I've what never seen the, the the old TV show, and uh, I'm just kind of like neither here nor there. Like, I don't think it looks horrible. Like, what's the overall response of people? Is the overall response that it turd, or is the overall response that people love it?
0: Okay, I, I don't know what the overall response is, but I've watched the trailer. Now, I was a huge fan of the original. Like, I wish I was nerdy enough to have been in the Loser Club because I thought they were all really cool. I really did. Um, unfortunately, for some reason... I got, I was under the radar about my nerdyism, so I was actually kind of one of the semi-popular kids in high school, so I never got to be cool enough to be in the Loser Club. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like the backwards? Like, everybody's like, I was never cool enough to be a cheerleader or a jock. I'm like, I was never cool enough to be in the Loser Club, except for on the weekends when I played D&D. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that actually was supposed to translate there. <laughs> but I was such a huge fan. Um... One, I mean, you have to realize, you know, you had Jonathan Bredis, who was like the it kid back in those days. Um, I had a huge crush on him as a little kid. Um, Then of course when they get to the, the older people you had John Ritter and you had the guy who was in Night Court and I'm just like, I love these people. I watch them all the time on television. And of course then again, one of my favorite actors of all time, Tim Curry. I was already a fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show at that time. I was already a fan of him playing Rooster from Annie. And seeing him play the clown was just fantastic. And it was creepy. It scared me. And then when because of that, I act. That's the movie that got me into actually reading Stephen King books. Um, so it will always have a really soft place in my heart. So
1: but I, I, like, like. But see that, see that's where that's where all this stuff is going awry. Because when I say that they're destroying my Peter Parker, they're not destroying forty-two-year-old Sean's Peter Parker. They're destroying you know, eleven year old Sean's Peter Parker. So the people that, that and I'm sure there's people that don't like the new It movie because when they were kids they, they saw this when they were a kid. I mean they're ruining what they knew.
0: But so I sat down and I'm very I'm always nervous when it comes to a remake. Because, let's face it, nine times out of ten, somebody remakes something, or they do a prequel of something, and you're just like, oh, my God. That's why we have things like the people like me who hate the Star Wars prequels, or that horrible Gem and the Holograms, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or G.I. Joe, or I could keep going. And I'm not going to. Halloween's like a reboot, a
1: prequel. Yeah.
0: But sometimes, sometimes there is a diamond in the rough. The prequel to The Thing, absolutely phenomenal. Star Wars There's Episode 7. Oh, yes. So. The so, so yes. Yeah. There are actually really? two movies. and They are both called The Thing. In 2011, they, re, they everybody thought that it was actually a remake of the original Thing starring Kirk Douglas. It was not. It was actually a prequel to the original thing. When they went in to do the production, they paid very close attention to every tiny detail. They didn't bring in new technology or anything like that. Like, one of the biggest problems with the Star Wars universe was their technology was way more advanced, and then it got dumbed down somewhere when you got to the original trilogy. This, they kept everything within the timeline of the technology that they had. They paid very close attention, and you can watch the 2011 The Thing, and it literally goes right into the original John Carpenter, The Thing. Now, yeah, some of the um, CGI that they used was a little bit more polished than what they have in the original, but it was details that they did. Like, when they go in and investigate where the dog comes from, they Uh see the guy who had his wrist and the blood actually froze before it hit the ground. You see that in the original. You can actually see that scene in the original. It literally ends with the dog running away. By the way, spoilers! And, and it literally, you <laughs> start next one and there's the dog again. And it was just, it's like that moment like when you watch Rogue One and Darth Vader's mauling down, spoilers, all the Imperials, and the last thing he sees is Leia's ship taking off, and you could go straight into episode four, and you can start the Star Wars original trilogy, and it flows right into it. It was brilliantly done. Or what they're doing with the uh, remake of Voltron on Netflix is just whoever's writing this, you could tell was definitely a fan of the original series and they're taking a lot of the concepts and theories from the original but still holding true to a lot of the stuff from the original series and it was absolutely fantastic. They even did a cameo appearance from one of the original characters from the original series. Like They are still the original characters but they changed one of the characters' names and so they brought in the alternate universe of him, and he went with the original name that he was in the original series. Very brilliantly
1: done. Is this so, yeah, but, I'll, I'll, I'll Hold on for a second. Because I really don't right. know anything about Voltron, but I, in something I was watching about it the other day, is this the character that gets killed off early in the Voltron series and that they replace one of the pilots that dies or something? Or is this a different okay. character? Okay. Eddie,
0: spoilers. In the original Voltron, your five original Paladins are Pidge, who's the smart one, Hulk, who's the muscle, Lance, who's the smartass, Keith, who is the leader, and Sven, who pilots the Blue Lion.
1: Okay.
0: He gets pulled off in the original series. Now, with this one, you still have the original four, but Sven is now named Shiro, and he is the leader of the Paladins, who also disappears in this series. As they're, on, as they're trying to find Shiro in the third season, they come into an alternate reality where they think they found Shiro, but he has the accent that Sven did, and his name is Sven, and it was really brilliantly done. And because they lost Shiro you see the transformation of all the characters who were linked up with their outfits. So like Keith was in red, he was piloting the red lion because he takes over as leader. He gets to move into the black lion because Lance actually supports Keith becoming the leader. He has to move and be the right arm. So he's in the red lion and the Laura gets chosen to pilot the blue lion. And one of the things that always never, I, it just, Boggle my mind as a kid is okay. Well, why is it Pigeon Hawk are green and yellow, and they drive the green and yellow lines. And there's Lantus blue, and he's driving the red line. And Keith in red, and he's driving a black line. And there's a Laura, and she has to wear pink because she's a girl, and she's in the blue line. And the brilliance of this cartoon, literally not, they go pink, and she goes, well, this is a color that we wear in my on my world to mourn the loss of our soldiers and it was just so brilliantly done the way that they did it I was just like that explains everything
1: the pilots don't wear the colors in coordination with the lines
0: they do at
1: the beginning they wear their series or the new series
0: in in the new series in the original series the two that wear the outfits that match their lines are Pidge and Hulk the rest of them Lance is in blue and drives a red lion. Heath is in red and drives the black lion. And Alora is in pink and drives the blue lion, which was originally piloted by Sven, who wore black. Okay. So Yeah, it never made any sense in the original. At least in this one, they were originally driving their right lions with the right color of their uniforms. And then because of the loss of their leader, everything gets shifted. And it was a brilliant way to explain why not everybody uniforms match the colors of their lines it was brilliantly done now to completely get back to where i was going so sometimes there's a diamond in the rough it's brilliantly done when they do a remake so i wanted to see the color because let's face it this was done back in the 1980s and this is now a new age 2017 remake
1: Well, i think the other one was a tv movie wasn't it
0: Yes, yeah, it was a made-for-TV movie split into two parts. Which I did find out they are doing the same thing here, and it's actually brilliant because in the book, Pennywise comes back. I believe it's every thirty years, Ten, uh-huh. no, every twenty years. So he's coming back for this movie on his anniversary.
1: The movie one, so it's the anniversary or the just the story.
0: The movie actually lines up with the anniversary of when Pennywise should be back. And the oh. way how they're doing it is they're splitting it into two movies. The first movie is going to be about the children. The second movie is going to be about the adults. The same way they split it up with the uh, television series. The first half was about the children. So this first half is actually a flashback of what's going to be on the second movie, the adult remembering growing up and having to deal with this terror that was in their town and how they stood up against it. And then the second one will be about them coming back to finish what they had started. And so a lot of people didn't pay attention because a lot of people are like, well, what's with the technology and everything. They're going back to the, the, the setting of the first movie is in the 1980s so they can jump. What is it? 10, 20, no, 30 years. So I am right, 30 years. So they can jump 30 years to like 2016, 17 when the second movie's taking place. So right there is already a brilliant thing in my mark. Second thing is the fact that the that the guy who's playing Pennywise is a lot creepier. He's extremely more creepy, but there's still something about the fact that they did the clown makeup to where it wasn't just so startling and terrifying Um, to where he's still a clown. And let's face it, where you as an adult, like, Oh, look at your look, little tiny, look at the clowns, aren't they so cute? And little tiny's going, No, the clown is not cute. Like clowns terrify children, period. I don't know where the whole clowns make people happy. No, clowns make adults happy, clowns scare the crap out of children.
1: End of story. And so I don't he's not anybody just, likes clowns anymore, do they? Does anybody like a clown?
0: I actually do know people in this world. They like clowns. They collect clown stuff. I'm like, I'm not going in that room
1: ever. They collect? Why the hell would anybody collect clowns?
0: I don't know. I have no absolute idea why somebody would do something like that. So I sat down and I watched, I think I watched like, because I waited till like there was a couple of trailers out. So I watched like a, a collection of the trailers back to back to back to back. And in all honesty, I really want to go see this movie. One, I have never, since I've been five years old, have ever had a jump scare in a movie. This, I haven't even seen the movie yet. I've watched the trailer and I've had a jump scare because you scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, no, that's not funny. Like, that's not funny. That's terrifying. I want to go see this movie because I've never in my life, other than playing in a video game, where I'm like really into the video game, so I'm focused in on it, and then like something jumps at me at the screen. I've never had a jump scare from entertainment values other than like going to like a not even in a haunted house. It would like have to be like my dad playing pranks on me. Like even haunted houses don't scare me. I just walk through and I laugh at everybody else being scared. The fact that the trailer alone actually can make me do a could do a jump scare on me was already fantastic in my point of view, because that means that they've updated it to be able to still tell the same story, yet still be able to be able to bring it to a modern day thing. And that to me is fantastic. So I'm actually excited for this remake because it just, it feels like it could actually be what it is. Plus, now that I've actually read the book, there were so many small details in there that we actually have the technology now to be able to do the thing we couldn't do in the nineteen eighties, that I think they're gonna be able to bring a lot more depth into it that different in the original TV series. I think what most people are terrified of is everybody you say it and everybody automatically goes straight to Tim Curry in that outfit. And Tim Curry, let's just face it, every time he plays a character, that character is almost just definitely terrifying, whether it's because he's terrifyingly amazing or just terrifying because you're like, he scares the crap out of me. Whatever it is, he's just absolutely terrifying. And so people are really, it's like if they were to do a Labyrinth remake, who the heck would fill David Bowie's pants? Well, no one can technically fill David Bowie's pants, but... <laughs> It's just one of the things, but I'm actually excited for it. I really want to go see this movie really bad. I really do a a movie that can give me a trailer that can give me a jump scare intrigues me immensely.
1: Now, the thing with remakes in film is they you can never make people happy. If you make it a direct remake, then people go, well, what was the point? And if you change it, then people go, it's not anything like the other. Like, I see a movie that that everybody gets down on that I don't mind, and I actually like both versions. It's Total Recall. Like, in in the Mm sequel, well, not sequel, the the remake is nothing like the first one, so it's almost like a completely different movie. Right. Uh, but, But Robocop. I don't even I don't even have
0: heart you were saying that. Or did you? All right. So we we'll call so let's, I let's, talk, let's talk about Total Recall for a second. Okay. Total Recall. An amazing freaking movie from back when we were a kid. You yeah. know. there's not a person alive that you can't look at somebody and go two weeks and they don't get it from our generation. Like they yeah. get it two weeks. They got it. Not a problem. Um the new Total Recall. It did have some issues with it. I'm not going to say it was a perfect remake. I don't think it's as bad as everybody wants to. It, it, everybody's saying that it is. No, no, um, no, no. It's
1: not a horrible film by any
0: Um, there were. First off, the movie is beautiful. If there's yeah. anything that you could take from it, it is an absolutely beautiful movie. It's the the way that it is shot is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, the cinematography on it is spot on. The action felt a little weak in my opinion, and the acting was subpar. There was a few forced, like the the three breasted woman that just felt a little forced upon you. Didn't feel didn't feel natural like in the See, original. The was like that
1: because it was like a wink.
0: It was just like just like the lady, uh, the two weeks lady was a wink, but it just felt like it was kind of like. That one versus, like, the two-week lady, that one felt a little bit more forced than the two-week lady. Like, in the original, they're just, he's there. He's in a hooker's bar, basically, so it felt natural. I realized that they kind of moved the hooker's bar kind of, like, right there, but it was just like, yeah. all right, we've got to put this in here for namesake reasons, and it felt a little forced. But I did actually, I'm not saying that it's, like, the greatest movie of all time, but I did enjoy the movie when it came out. I really did.
1: See, I'm, I'm, I love Kate Beckinsale. I, I I think she's just absolutely beautiful, and I don't think she's a bad actress. I just don't understand why she's not in better films. Um, I
0: think more of typecasting reasons. Um, let's face it. One of the worst things that Hollywood does is. Once you've played a certain thing, like, you know, like the type of character she played in Van Helsing, they really like to typecast their actors and actresses. And that's really sad that they do that because there's no need to be typecasting people. Actually, you know, they're like, oh, well, I have this person in mind because I saw them do this. Well, maybe they're not interested in doing that because they've already done that character. Now,
1: I have a theory. Hold on to Van Helsing for a second because I know I'm going to hit something close to your heart with this. I love Kate Beckinsale. I, 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 I can honestly say not every Underworld movie is the greatest. I've not seen the very last one, but I do like the first two Underworld movies. Um, but the, in that film, she has the Transylvanian accent, and everybody, all the critics gave her help for this Transylvania accent. I think that's why, because it's the same director, I think that's why in G. I. Joe the Baroness does not have the German accent is because that's just my theory. Because he got such hell over her and the Transylvanian accent. Um you know, the I know I know how much you love G. I. Joe. Both G. I. Joe movies had aspects of like things that I could love, which just made my heart bleed even more <laughs> when I got the rest of it tagged along with it.
0: There was the only really thing. came
1: out of both of those GI Joe
0: movies were crap, and the only thing that they did right in the second one is they finally put Cover Commander in the right outfit. That's it. I can't. I cannot under any circumstances get behind what they did to my beloved GI Joe. Then go frack themselves.
1: Did, did you hear that the new animated? Uh, they're doing a new animated. Uh, Transformers, but it's going to take place in the Michael Bay universe. It's going to be like they a- are not.
0: Yeah. but that is just
1: that, Like they said that he is that he's that he, he's kind of burned him on the last film because the last film didn't make. Which I, I really look. I didn't see the last film. What was it? The last night or whatever it was. But we were on vacation, that- and it felt like that movie was in theaters forever. I don't know if it was trying to make part of its money back. It was in there for so long, but it felt like every time I went to the theater, it was there.
0: I have no idea because I'm going to be honest. I can't sit and watch those. I just can't. It's just like, uh, stop destroying my freaking movies, Michael Bay. You're an asshole. Okay,
1: okay. Let, 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 let me ask you this question because my because mind – all- this could, yes, but but well, because you and I have have a kind of a similar uh, generational background, and mm-hmm. and I always look at everything. I always analyze everything and the stories and stuff. And why does this not work? Like uh, four or five years ago, I got stuck in in the psychosis where I could not. I, I kept asking myself, "What is good?" Like, what makes something good? Have you ever seen the movie Autofocus where he starts to question what is orange? And his right. son goes, orange? He's like, yeah, what is that? It's kind of like the same thing. Like, I got so consumed with trying to make a good book. Like, I would constantly go, like, I'd write, a, I'd write some sort of little plot. And I was like, but who cares? Like, why is that good? Or, or why is something bad? Like, why do we look at things? And as a a majority usually go, that was good or that was bad. And there's always, you know, kind of differences in opinion. But in the, and I'm not, listen, I'm absolutely in agreement with you that the Michael Bay films only got worse as they went. Although I do think the third one was the best one of all of them.
0: I enjoyed the first one.
1: The first one, you know, the first one and the third one are probably the best ones. The second one is hideous. The, one, the second one whatever, is a me. Yeah, it, it's just, and, and in every film he kills, like, he's got this formula, like, he kills or destroys Optimus Prime in every one, like, it, it's kind of like, Optimus Prime is the biggest weaning leader uh, uh, the Autobots could ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, And I mean so Michael Bay like I'm just trying to break this down. So in Michael Bay films he has kind of these over the top characters to where it's not just like well there's one over the top character so it's funny, it's kinda of like there's three or four over the top characters in every mm-hmm. film that are different characters that kind of feel this niche to where it's kind of ridiculous. Kind um, of ridiculous? Well, I mean, I do think that's the film that killed poor, poor Bernie Mac. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. Okay, many,
0: just, here's just, the thing. I know, no, no, I get what you're getting. Um, because the second one is the one with the pyramids and everything, right? Oh
1: yeah, and it, like the first. one, okay. it, it starts where they're in Japan. It's kind of cool, but once you're out, right, Once it starts getting into the the pyramids and and all that stuff, and the stuff in his head. It, well, it's, it's it's
0: not just that. It's, okay, so we have the funny guy from the first movie comes back. He's living underground. Um, now he's no longer with the the government or anything, and. That whole scene where he's like, I am under the objective scrotum. Really? Really? Like, yes. we really needed to have a joke like that in this movie? Not just oh, in think the that we had a really idiot and twiddly, twiddly, even bigger idiot, the two twin cars, which were just absolutely irritating. Then you had the little humping car, and I'm just like, seriously?
1: Did you that just that go, made, you know what?
0: Just throw everything into the script. We're going to put it somewhere. And I was look, like, that was I, the biggest crap.
1: My book, My comic series is very much R-rated. I'm not not pretending it's not to be. And I think RoboCop, and and I'm just saying in my opinion, you know, is one of the the greatest. To me, it it is probably my favorite science fiction film is RoboCop. The original? The original. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be the second one. The second one wouldn't even be on the list of science fiction films. But, yeah, you know, you,
0: you, got, you got to specify. Come on now.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. The original one, the original one. So, you know, and, and I like, you know, I can like films like uh, Lilo and Stitch and appreciate the quality of it. I mean, I can run the gambit, but it is Transformers, and you are taking children, and you are manufacturing toys that are, are geared towards children, and you've got these two robots, and one calls the other one a pussy, and I'm just kind of like, I don't think this is the venue. I mean it it's like he just kind of had like some sort of like sixteen year olds movie. I mean that's what it feels like it's made for, like horny sixteen year olds. And I don't know if that's yep. really the demographic of Transformers. And of course it is. he he's kind of got this idea of Uh, Well, it's about a boy in the car, and I remember hearing that. No, it's about a boy who's in love with this girl, and I'm thinking, no, it's about cars turning into robots. (laughs) I mean, if you ask me why I like Transformers as a kid, we didn't really even care if the humans showed up, to be honest with you. I mean, there was plenty going on. And if they can make, if Pixar can make cars interesting, which I don't really care for the movie Cars. But if they can make inanimate objects interesting, why don't they get the Pixar people to come in and write these Transformers movies? Better yet, why don't they come in and write a Fantastic Four film? Because Incredibles was a whole lot better than any of the Fantastic Four films they have made.
0: Oh, let's not even talk about Fantastic Four movies. Oh, my God. the things were just... And you know what's even worse? You know what's even worse about the trans, trans uh, the 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 Fantastic Four movies is so you have these. Two, so we have the Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer, and everybody rolls their eyes, and then they're like, "We're gonna redo the brand," and they made it worse.
1: I have like, I, listen. I, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be very fair. I'm gonna be very fair. I'm not gonna take up for anything, but I I can only say I've not seen the Josh Trank version. So I have, I, I really have no, I know that I've heard bad things about it, but, you know, I can't, I can't defend it or condemn it, but I, because I'm not seeing anything of it. I'm waiting for it to it, go in the $3 they bin. They
0: made my bad guy, my villain, one of my sweethearts for the comic book universe, nothing but a fucking computer nerd hacker. How dare you? He is Dr. Victor Von Doom. He owns his own country. He has diplomatic immunity, you freaking assholes. So make so, him
1: cool. So tell me, have you seen Lady Ghostbusters? Uh,
0: <coughs> uh, I'm sorry. There's something in my throat. It tastes like
1: shit. So I tell I'm you, sorry. You, have, you have had a bite of
0: that. Um, he has. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! It's fucking
1: before, shit. Before I ask this question, I have to preface. I have to preface this. So we go. We have a dollar theater here, and we went and saw it in the dollar theater, and boy. He's gonna really, to your money back. The the, <laughs> the, the the boy really the really really liked it, and I didn't think it was horrible, but I don't think it's nowhere near as good as the original, and I don't think it's great film. And my better half, she loves. I mean, I think I think you have to look at this. She loves Melissa McCarthy. And when we, I met, like Melissa
0: McCarthy.
1: Too. She said that she really thought that Melissa McCarthy was the the least funny individual in the entire film.
0: So let's 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 look at the new Ghostbusters movie, all right? so, Let's pick this
1: for a second. One, wow. it's not why, a ghost. Why book. is it bad? I mean and I'm not saying it's not but but what, what what is good from it and what is bad and why does the bad outweigh yeah. the good? When it's good from it is when it's over. <laughs> when it's <You> know, <laughs> I, will say, I will say this. Kay McKenna is is good in the film.
0: Okay, I, I I'll actually take it back. There are two times the movie was actually entertaining.
1: Okay. The
0: very beginning the very beginning was actually decent. The very beginning, before they even did the Ghostbusters scene. And okay. then um and I don't know the actress names, but she played like the like the punk rocker type one, the one with the short blonde hair. Oh, okay, yeah, she was cool. That's it. Yeah. The rest of the movie sucks. Um, the cameos were weak. Like
1: extremely
0: yeah. weak. Like, why would you would even be- do that? And the fact that Bill Murray basically came in as that prick guy from the original, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, They took the characters, made them very one-dimensional, and made them very stereotypical. All right? We have, um, what is her name? Uh, The black lady.
1: Oh, um, shoot. Oh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. You know, I, I will I will say this about her. I wasn't as hard on her as everybody come down not, on her. I am
0: not saying that it's her. I'm not even. I'm not even. It, it was not her. I'm not saying was, it was no, her.
1: It's not her fault. Like if you took her out of the film, the film wouldn't have been like the world's greatest gem that's ever had. She's not the reason that the film is a tone. You
0: know. Um. Um. Leslie Jones. That's her name. Leslie Jones.
1: Leslie Jones. Jones yeah. Um,
0: now, I love Leslie Jones. She is funny as hell. Whoever wrote this script went, oh, we need a black character. She's a woman. We're going to make her a black character that's a woman. And they blackwashed her. They blackwashed a black woman. They used every stereotypical black racist thing that you've ever seen in any movie anywhere, and when basically they made her the token black guy.
1: I'm surprised they didn't have her punch a tar-baby ghost, to be honest with you.
0: Why? Why did you have to do that to her? That's, I have seen her. She is absolutely freaking hysterical, and you uh, ruined
1: her. I, I think that Melissa McCarthy is is extremely unfunny, in it uh, I love oh, Kristen Williams. Here you
0: have Melissa McCarthy, a brilliant talent. She's absolutely hilarious. I love her to death. They took her and went, well, we already have the token black guy, so let's tone her down. Why didn't you let Melissa McCarthy be the funny one and let Leslie Jones be whoever she needed to be? You probably put these people in a bubble and went, Every stereotypical thing that you ever known about a character that you're gonna play is what you are going to do. You know, you're the uptight bitch. You're the funny rocker chick. You're the funny black guy. You're just there because of uh, your name.
1: Let's talk about, and, and I tell you, this is a, this is something that I heard once on on Adam Carolla's podcast, and it really stuck with me. He was talking about, you know, when you get these what they consider great comedy writers to write tv and film and they write jokes that just that they just don't they're not funny because they don't work they're they're not realistic like Mm -hmm. uh in identity theft there's there's nobody in the world where you'd say this woman stole my identity well you're gonna have to hunt her down and bring her in like it just don't work that way right and And so, in in Ghostbusters, I think the thing that bothered me the most uh, was like, I get that Chris Hemsworth is supposed to be stupid, but nobody's that stupid. Unless he was an alien from another planet, he wouldn't be trying to reach for a telephone inside of an aquarium.
0: No. Well, one, the stupidity of his character irritated me to no end. Like, I get it. You're trying to take away from the fact that eventually he's going to be the a, a major badass because he gets possessed, but he could have just been an average guy, and yeah. he still would have been a more badass when he got possessed. He didn't have to be the most retarded man in the universe. Actually, he wasn't even the most retarded man. He was the most retarded creature in the universe.
1: And they were completely sexually harassing him. Me. I mean, he is a he is, he is completely right for a sexual harassment lawsuit, uh, constantly. No kidding. Uh, and, and I can even say in the original Ghostbusters in the 80s, they didn't uh, harass any talks one bit. They wouldn't even have anything to do with it. I um,
0: see. You know, I would, you know, if you're going to make a remake, there are some things that you should definitely, like, make a nod to. And yeah. maybe giving me a spunky guy as their secretary, just like Annie Potts was in the original Ghostbusters, that would have been a fantastic nod. Because she was a take-no-bullshit, like, how you doing today, Janine? It, like, it, just would have, like,
1: it would have been better played off for him to be chauvinistic. And when they said, we're going to go out and get these ghosts, and he just kind of like, <laughs> sure you are, you know. Because that would have been played off. And then having him make really funny remarks about how he can see them not, you know, doing it would have been a whole lot funnier than because at that point you're you're downplaying your boss, you know. And right. that would have been really good for Melissa McCarthy to play off of. You know. And uh, and then for them to mumble and if they come back covered in slime you know, then there's something for him to gloat about. Then it's like, then you can play off the thing of, oh, no, we're not going back to Kevin for us, for him to see that we got hit by such a, but it was just, or, you know, in, in honesty, you didn't really even need the character. It just, it, did, were they even only making did... money? Who was calling them to send them out to begin with?
0: You know. The thing, you know, the thing that made the original Ghostbusters such a phenomenal movie, I don't care what my sister says, she is absolutely wrong in the fact that she does not like that movie. There's something mechanically wrong in her brain for not liking that movie.
1: She doesn't um,
0: like which movie? Ghostbusters? My sister actually has a couple of things wrong with her. She does not like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She does not like Ghostbusters, and she did not like Back to the Future. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with her. I don't think she's actually related to me.
1: Sounds like my girlfriend, but... Uh, even, I, I, even I think she likes Back to the Future. Um,
0: but one of the things that made the original so great is one, there was a really great chemistry between the entire cast.
1: What? And I'm I'm I want you to think about this for a second, though. Oh, I gotta
0: think again, dude. Yeah. This is a podcast. I'm not supposed to think.
1: I know, but here's the thing about the first Ghostbusters, and I and I love the first Ghostbusters, so I'm not shitting on it at all but i've stayed to this theory for a good long while that if you read the script to ghostbusters and had never seen it i don't think you would laugh and I, and i'm not saying that as any insult but bill murray has some sort of unique demonic ability to take very unfunny lines and and make them very entertaining right I mean if you think about it, he doesn't have any really great one liners. It's something about those words It's his delivery. His, yeah, his delivery, his delivery you know, is, is is the thing. Um and so when people say, Oh well, Bill Murray funny, then there's there's something wrong with with the wiring in their head because like I said, it's it's not like he's ever had any really great one liner um you know, it's kind of the same thing, and although he has a couple in, in Caddyshack, but it's kind of the same thing. It's, if it was done by anybody else, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as good. And I think if you took him out of Ghostbusters, you would lose probably 75% of its charm.
0: And you would. Again, um, Bill Murray is you. absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that makes him fantastic is he knows how to deliver something. Um You know, it's not just, it's not just the line pay attention to everything he does from the way he delivers to line to the expressions on his face when he's delivering the line to his body's mannerisms, and that's what it is. Just like the, the scene right after he gets back, um, so they just went and went to, uh, he meets up with Dana Barrett right after she was playing in the playing in the symphony, and he's like, man, I heard you over everybody else, you know, that's funny, that was adorable, and then he makes fun of the other guy, and she doesn't even get kicked off because it's the way that he does it and then when she's and then when he finally gets the date he kind of does a little dance sees the person sitting there with the roller skates and he just imitates it like yeah I got the date and that's what makes him brilliant
1: it's oh, those he, minor he,
0: little things right there
1: he is and, and you know the thing is that film really wasn't really kind of written with the script uh, I was thinking about I was listening to a podcast the other day where they talk about bad movies and they were and the movie the, the they were talking about the other day was uh, my stepmother was an alien and I was sitting there thinking like you know, Dan Aykroyd has not really had a lot of great movies like if you really think about like we we're like man name a film that Dan Aykroyd is hilarious like he is hilarious him, and I mean. He He's good in, in Blues Brothers, and he's good in Ghostbusters, and he's good in uh, uh, Dragnet and Dr. Detroit, but I don't know if there's like a super funny line that just comes to the top of my head that I quote on a regular. You know, Blues Brothers is an odd film. It's kind of like Ghostbusters, and I don't know why it's funny, but it is. Like it's 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 almost like a sophisticated humor of some sort, right? You know, like like today, uh, uh, like I like Hangover, but Hangover, uh, well, I wouldn't put Hangover. In the, you know, like a Seth Rogen film, I almost feels like it's very stupid comedy. Like it, it's it's all kind of dick and fart jokes, and it is. you know, them kind of being losers. And it's not the same kind of sophisticated comedy that you get with a Caddyshack or um, a Blues Brothers or a Ghostbusters. I mean, Ghostbusters has some great lines in it, but, you know, again, they're not really like great funny one-liners as much as just memorable lines. No, no, um, no, no,
0: except for there is the one in Ghostbusters that is just hands down absolutely Hilarious. And, and it, it's just that it's that whole scene. Are you a god? No. Then die. And just that, that delivery of the next line. Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! I bust up laughing every freaking time I hear it.
1: Every there's time. The, there's the one where he calls him dickless and they break you up into a fight and in the background it's almost a throwaway line. He goes, well, that's what I heard.
0: <laughs> and
1: the, just, so, it just kind of tracks me up because that's exactly what that character would have done, you know. I mean, uh-huh. um, until Dickless showed, you know. Um, well, that's until Dick was it. showed up. <laughs> um,
0: and, you know, so there are, there are. It, you just have to find them sometimes. You, you yeah. have to remember them because. Unfortunately, when you start looking at certain movies, like, you know, a lot of the movies that we grew up with, Ghostbusters being one of them, Back to the Future being another one, there are so many great memories of them that if and there are fans that know them frontwards backwards and inside out like i know star wars they could say every line in tune with the movie and that is fantastic to me i love the fact that there are people out there that can do that there are like i said i could do that with star wars i just can't do that with every movie
1: if you look at the footage of eric stoltz in um side by side comparison with um, michael j fox it it's 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 an it's a really interesting psychological list because when you look at them, you're like, why? Like Michael J. Fox just had so much charm and and likable humor, and Eric Stoltz is it's so dark and almost like like dramatic and and scary in his in his delivery, even like falling on the ground, and you're like how could it be so different to have, like, even in the parts where there's no line, you know? Like, it just makes you wonder what films that you didn't like might have been better if they just would have cast somebody
0: else. Right. You
1: know, like, I'm not the world's biggest Kurt Russell fan, but who could they have cast in Big Trouble in Little China to to pull that Nobody. Nobody. No, no, I don't think so. I, I agree with you, you know, I mean uh, and that's why I see sometimes when I see casting in films, I, I'll sometimes go, you know, he's all right but if I was a casting director and they said we got one more person, I'd say yeah, let's see him. Toby Maguire was like that. Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield were like that for me. Um, right. Uh, Christian Bell was like that for me, although I do I do like I think he's the one of the best uh cast characters. You know, my Batman to me will always be Michael Keaton, which oh, I will say uh I loved Michael Keaton in the in the Spider-Man Homecoming. So for people who get mad like he for I, I just had sad parts for myself, but I loved Michael Keaton in that film. There was not enough Michael Keaton in that film in my opinion. Um, But to me, he will be the greatest Batman. He will always be my Batman.
0: You're my Batman. (laughs) But on that note, we are going to have to go and wrap this up. We have three minutes left. So, Michael Keaton, you're Batman, because we're ending on that on this podcast. So, get over
1: Uh, it. (laughs) It's going to be mine.
0: But but before we go, um, tell everybody where they can find you online.
1: You can find me on Facebook at Facebook forward slash, or Facebook.com forward slash the dungeon comic. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Lacewings, which is L-A-C-I-L-A-C-E-I-N-G-S. Um and I think that's pretty much it for me.
0: Nice. And of course, everybody, if you want to learn more about AGP, you can head over and follow us over on Facebook. Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitch, and over on our website, which are all Amanda Gillen Presents. And you can also follow us over on Twitter at Amanda G Presents because we now have the official AGP website. So, you know, those of you who follow me personally, go follow my main page as well over on Twitter. Um, And remember, we also do live stream videos every Wednesday through Sunday. So come check us out. We do them live over on YouTube and on Twitch. And on that note, everybody, I want to thank Sean for hanging out with me and letting us go on our little tangents on everything that we just absolutely love, hate, adore, despise, so on and so forth. It's so much fun to always have you here. I have such a
1: blast when you're here. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we all hope that you have yourself a wonderful night, and we will be back next week with uh, Matthew Sparks, who has avoided being on this show for over two years, and I finally told him he has to be on the show, or I'm going to stop following him on Twitter. Sparks, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> What? Two years in the making. Come on. Do you know how much of this stuff I have? He owes me. <laughs> oh no,
1: no, no, no. He's uh, got to pay
0: up. <laughs> Time to pay up, Mr. Sparks. All right, guys. Y'all have a wonderful night, and you t- and I will catch you all later. Good night, Sean. Good night. <laughs> Is this really gonna do this now? Okay. Yeah, it's gonna do it. I hate it when it does that. It. Okay. It won't let me push the button. It's not letting me push the button. I hate words.